I'm sure you all remember my dear friend, Sarah Gardner, who was on episode 10. She shared about caring for her dad after he suffered a severe stroke over three years ago and how she does that so well, taking care of her family and her business at the same time. Well, she is back today to start off our Brave Mom series. No doubt 2020 was basically a nightmare for her as she watched her dad confined to a nursing home. We'll stick around for this one. You are going to feel so inspired by Sarah's courage, her bravery, and to just stand up to be a brave mom and daughter. Sarah lives in Indianapolis with her husband and their three children, including twin girls and her little boy. She is the owner and my personal trainer at Stronger with Sarah LLC. I am confident you too will feel stronger with Sarah today. Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to families that stick together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted. Turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project. Maybe don't look at the sink and make yourself at home, friend. This is where our family of six hangs out. It's where our real life happens. Stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know, that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace, but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family. We work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well. Come along with us to gather together to grow through it all. Welcome friend with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. Welcome back, Sarah, to Families That Stick Together. And this is our Brave Mom series. I have been so excited to have you on this episode. You are our guest on episode 10, My Why to Care for My Sick Dad, My Young Family, and My Business with Sarah Gardner. This aired on August 4th, but I believe we recorded maybe the beginning of July. So a lot has changed since the summer for you and for our everyday world. I want you to share your story because the circumstances that have evolved since then in your personal life have most definitely labeled you as a brave mom in my opinion. And I want people to hear your story because it could be anyone's story. And I'm just so inspired by you, Sarah. I'm inspired by your strength, by your courage and your persistence to just keep going. So share with everyone what I'm talking about. (laughs) Thanks, Jennifer. So yeah. So those of you that maybe don't know the backstory with, um, my dad specifically, uh, about three and a half years ago on Easter Sunday, he had a massive brainstem stroke. And so that took him from, you know, he was only 57 at the time to your, you know, UPS driver. That's what he did for his career. And he was the local delivery man here in our, in our local town. And so he went from that active, um, you know, running packages from door to door to um, completely wheelchair bound overnight not able to eat, talk, 
do anything for himself, brush his own teeth or get himself in and out of bed. And so it was a massive shift in our life. Um, Also, personally, during that time, I had just had my third baby. He was five months old and my twins were almost two. And so I had three kids under two and then managing just the unknown, I think more than anything at that time with his stroke, it was so new. We knew nothing about what his outcome would be. We had a lot of hope that that he would be restored to where he was before. We didn't know any differently um, at that time. And so we kind of just started that journey of uh, rehabbing and caring for him and, and doing everything we could and taking him to all the doctors to see what we could do for him. Um, so fast forward three years or so from that point, and he's been in multiple rehab settings. Most recently, he had been in a facility just here locally. And when the pandemic hit, that obviously altered everything for us. Um, he was locked in the facility in March, early March. I'll never forget the day, you know, the last day that we were able to visit and then uh, the door shut and they have yet to reopen. So anyone who has a family member or loved one in a nursing home facility, Um, even assisted living at this time, they understand the strain that this year has put on them that, you know, we've all been isolated, but they've been severely isolated from their family. They cannot physically hug. They cannot, you know, we could not go into the facility anymore to spend time with him or even just check on his care. He can't really communicate well due to his stroke. So he can't really uh, speak up for his needs as, as, as well as we can. And so a lot of things, uh, were declining in him. He was losing weight. We found out he lost about 35 pounds during the pandemic. He, you know, it just was declining. We could see it every week that we could visit through the window or do a socially distant visit that he was just declining. He was shutting down. After a few hard months and hard conversations with multiple family members and making <laughs> making a lot of hard choices, we made the choice to move him out of the facility into his own place. And we were able to do that in, gosh, just early November, we actually moved him out into his own apartment. He's in like a 55 and over community now. And again, due to his stroke, he needs pretty much around the clock care. So at this point, family's doing about 12 hours a day and then caregivers do the other 12 hours a day. And so it's just been a huge change. It's been amazing to just see him just in a short period of time go from, you know, very shut down, very, um, you know, depressed. He told us he was depressed and, and just to see him thriving in his own environment and being able to be with loved ones and cared for the way he deserves has just been amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. So for the listener, they're probably thinking, great, nice. That's cool. You got your dad out of the facility. Great job. Okay. What's so brave about that? But I have had the privilege And I say it's a privilege because you share your heart so honestly. And I I think these stories are not ones being told right now in 2020, at least not often enough, or no one's really picking up on them. And to open our eyes to what's really going on and, and how your dad was suffering and how your family was suffering and how it was taking a toll on you as the daughter, as the mom of your own family. So... I want you to back up because it wasn't just as easy as getting him an apartment because of what you said. He requires 24-hour care. That's not an easy task. So let's back up here. This was a big struggle. So 
I even happened to write an email to someone to try to change some legislation for you guys there in Indiana because you were requesting that. So I sent my heartfelt stern words from Kentucky on the <laughs> subject. But I I want you, Sarah, to fill everyone in on why there was so much bravery required in this. Because here you are, you're watching your dad, you know he's depressed, he's losing weight, you felt helpless. So fill us in on kind of those steps, maybe I'm guessing from August on. Yeah. So, you know, we had an early meeting with family. He's so blessed to be one of eight children. So we come from, he comes from a large family. So we have amazing support as far as just resources with family, you know, physical family help and just different people that have different gifts. Just, you know, we, we tried to meet and say, okay, how do we make his life better? That's been our goal from, you know, day one of this stroke was how do we give him the best quality of life? Sadly, he hasn't recovered nearly to the extent that we had hoped, you know, he's not walking yet. Um, he's talking a little bit, you know, he is eating on his own. So he, he did go from being a hundred percent on a G tube feeding, um, with all of his meds and all that being pushed through a tube to now doing his meals. So he is able to eat all of his meals, um, on his own. So there has been some progress, but, but just not into the extent that we had had hoped. And so again, knowing that he needs so much care, you know, we were at this kind of crossroads in August or so, and really in the September is when it hit me. I don't even know how or why, but it was a, I mean, it was a God moment where I woke up that morning, just like I always do. I try to get up a little bit early before my kids and I try to journal and, uh, you know, read my devotion and, and, I, and it just came to me. Like, I mean, I have, I was trying to look for the notebook before we got on here, but I was writing like a crazy person, like, okay, how do we get my dad out of this situation? Like, it was like, like God was calling me to make a change. And I kept trying to see, okay, am I supposed to make a change for him specifically? Or is this, do I need to make a change for everyone? Because I just kept feeling like there are millions of people in this position that are in isolation right now and not just my dad. And so I was trying to do everything I could to make a change for not only him, but everyone in this situation, because I know I've been in the, you know, for three years, we've been walking those halls of different nursing homes. And you see how there's people that never have a visitor. There's people, and, and I don't know the circumstance. I don't know if they don't have family, their family's not close, but there's people who don't have a voice. And my dad doesn't, doesn't have a voice for himself to speak up and fight all these things that were happening, but we did. And so that's where I just said, okay, okay. I'm, you know, I'm Googling, okay, who do I need to talk to? Okay. Let's go to the County he's in. Let's talk with that health, uh, you know, the health department there to say, this is not okay. He needs, you know, I don't have the answer. Nobody has the answer, you know, to what we need to do better to keep these people protected because they do need to be protected from that, from COVID, but they also need to be touched and they need to be hugged and they need family there too support them through this just be just like we do. And so that's what I tried to do. I tried to make some changes. I ran the marathon uh, to and ended it at his facility, which actually ended up getting picked up by the news, which was great to just share, you know, because people don't know if you don't have someone in a nursing home, you don't know what's actually happening. So, you know, after going through that and 
and seeing that nothing was changing. There was, you know, we, we had some hope there for a little bit with all the people that were emailing and making some changes. But at the end of the day, nothing was changing at his facility. And so we just knew that our goal was to get him out by Thanksgiving because the thought of him sitting in that room for Christmas and Thanksgiving and staring at that TV was just too much. We couldn't even imagine it. And so we knew we had to get the ball rolling to figure out how does this work? How are we going to care for him? How are we going to pay for it? How are we going to not just completely deplete ourselves, but also care for him and care for ourselves and our own families and lives that we have? So Sarah, I love that you mentioned you really felt the calling from God back in September. You felt that full force as you started writing and were Opening this series with, at the beginning, I talk about Joshua leading the Israelites into the battle, and he had to have complete faith, and God told him over and over, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Be strong and courageous. You must persevere. He just kept telling him because he knew this was going to be difficult. I'm going to guess there were many times, even though it sounds like you got this changed pretty quickly in those moments, there must've been times where you felt like you wanted to give up. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean the day, the day before we made the decision to do this, I completely lost. I mean, it was a moment of complete fear and complete anxiety and no, 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 we cannot do this. What are we even thinking? He needs to, you know, what if he gets sick? What if we get sick? All the, what if, what if, what if, you know, cause we still had so we had more questions at that point than answers. We didn't know. We didn't know how it was all good. We had been working every single day for two months on how it was going to work and talking to different people and you get different answers from different people and lawyers and everything. And at the end of the day, we just had to make that. We just had to have the faith to say, we have to, we just have to take that next step. We don't know how it's going to end, but we know that we have to do something. And we will 100% regret it if we just say, oh, this is too hard. You just have to stay there. We just have to wait this out. I just knew I couldn't live with myself with that. So we had to. I was just going to say to you, okay, so what do you think pushed you to say, Lord, I, 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 oh my gosh, through all this fear, I have to push through. I I have to say yes to you. You just said it because Mm -hmm. the regret, is that what you would? Yeah. I mean, when, well, Jennifer, it was your podcast when you were talking about how to make a decision. And you said, which decision would you, I'm going to say it wrong, but which decision would you regret? Right. Is that how you said it? You know, which one? Yes. It's episode nine. It was family decisions, five questions that will help you stay true to your values. And, um, Thank you for saying that. I, I always say to myself, because nothing is clear and you even just said it a lot of times we're going to have more questions than answers. So I always say, what's going to leave me with the least amount of regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, because again, it was so much fear. And to me, it felt like, and this is a silly analogy, but if you've ever brought a baby home from the hospital and you think, especially your first, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And they're just giving me this baby <laughs> to like, and they think or I your know first and know. second at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, now what? And so I just, I kept thinking that feeling of, you know, when he's in a nursing home, they are responsible. So if he gets sick, if you know, they're, they are responsible, but now that we bring him out and obviously there's a huge, there's a real threat. We're in a pandemic. So what if he gets sick? 
What if we get him sick? What if, I mean, we had to go to the darkest spot, which is what if something happens to him? What if God chooses to take him and we have taken him out of this facility and something happens to him? We had to have that discussion beforehand to say, we are 100% okay with that choice because we know in our heart of hearts, we're doing what's best for him. And we have to be okay with any result that could come from that versus saying, no, we're going to live in fear. We're going to keep him isolated. We're going to keep him in that nursing home. And we'll just have to see what happens at the end of this, when we can ever get back in there to, to him. So clearly there were a ton of moving parts and pieces, a lot of people involved, a lot of decisions, prayer. I'm sure you were seeking out a lot of resources, help, whatever, but What would you say, Sarah, because I think this is an important question to hear your answer for other moms to relate to. What do you think prepared you the most to be brave? Was it looking back at old circumstances? Was it something in that moment? Was it just something from God? Can you even explain it? I know that's a big question, but what prepared you to be this brave? I would have to say, I mean, 100%, I feel like God has been working. He's been working in my life the last three years. You know, our faith, we've always had our faith. And I credit that to my dad. He's the one that always took us to church on Sundays. He always made sure we were in Sunday school. And, you know, now that I'm adult and and really been thinking about this lately, it's like, wow, he was the one that really was consistent with that and made sure that that was a big part of our lives. And, you know, since his stroke, I had to lean on my faith and I had to really get intentional with every single day, opening that Bible and reading because I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of just unknown, you know, I just had a lot of things stirring in me and I knew that I had to go to God with what I didn't know and what I didn't understand and why this was happening and why God had chosen this to be his story. And so my faith and just, I think that consistency in spending time with God, spending time with other believers, I've been really intentional about, you know, my weekly Bible study group and um, spending time with women who know more than me about, uh, you know, like you that are just so amazing and are just further along in the journey than me to surround myself with them and, and, and what they're saying and how they're parenting and all of those things to just say, God's going to get us through. We don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know. We don't know, but we know that he has this calling on our hearts to do something different. And we just have to, you know, we just have to be able to say yes to him and not say, oh no, 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 God, you've got the wrong person. Like he's, we're, you know, this would be the safe choice to just keep him where he's at, but no, we need to step out and show other people that, yeah, we don't have, we don't have the answers this morning. Like I was telling you, it's still a little crazy as we're trying to navigate each day is different with this, but it's 100% been worth it. And just to see the physical changes in him, the emotional, everything has improved just in this short period of time. And so I think you just have to rely on your faith. If you don't have faith, I don't know how people get through a global pandemic. I don't know how they get through a massive shift like uh you know like a stroke like this that affect has affected our lives and will you know every day and affected our children's lives and yeah you just have to see the the good in it and the blessings that we have because we have an amazing amount of blessings and we have this time so trying to use it well of course I couldn't agree more with that just I don't know how anyone gets through without their faith either and what you said why did you choose me God I, I'm not equipped for this or whatever and I think 
that's just the story of anyone God's God calls. You know, what's that, what's that quote? Um, he, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. He will yeah. make you ready. And everything you were saying, Sarah, is exactly what we're talking about with the first chapter of Joshua. Here's what verses six through nine say. I'm going to read these real quick. Mm-hmm. Be strong and courageous. Now, this is at the beginning. Moses has died. Joshua is called upon to lead the Israelites. And this is before he he even takes charge of the battlefield that he is about to just enter for years and years. And the Lord says, be strong and courageous for you will lead my people to possess all the land. I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. So he repeats it. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them and you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And maybe you were thinking of Joshua, but maybe you weren't. But the point is you already knew, okay, I have to stay present in the word. I have to stay present in my faith. And you were doing that for the last three years and didn't even know what God was going to call you to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such an important thing for us as moms, that if we are are going to answer the call to bravery, we really need to put on our armor and be willing to accept it, right? Yeah. Sarah, I'm so inspired by you. And I have the honor for you to be my personal trainer as well and see you on all your workout videos and follow you on social media. And I have your personal private cell phone number. (laughs) That's right. So we could text anytime. (laughs) But my point is, thank you for just inspiring me because I agree with you. I am a better person for surrounding myself with people like you who encourage me to be a better version of myself and step out when I might want to say no. So thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. How do you... I want I want to ask you one last thing um, before I have a together question, of course, to wrap it all up. Sarah, how do you think you have young kids? Your girls are five and a half, right? And yeah. Charlie just turned four. Yeah. How do you think this whole decision and everything you've learned in these few months of just this one in particular brave decision has changed the future of your own family? Yeah. I mean, well, they're a part of it. You know, I, like you were saying last night, I spent the night with my dad. We're on night. So we do eight o'clock at night to 8 AM. Most, most weeks I do Friday night. So that, and, and when we were kind of planning it out, how it would look, you know, I picked Friday nights. Cause I said, we're going to have pizza parties with Poppy. Cause that's what they call them. And that was a dream. We've never since his stroke, he's never been in an environment where the kids could spend the night. They he's always been in a facility of some sort. And so we visited and we all know if you've ever seen a nursing home or been in one, it's not the same as being in someone's home. <laughs> it's just not as cozy. It's not home. And so just the fact that not only he gets to be in that cozy environment, especially in the winter as it snowed yesterday for the first time. And I'm like, dad, how awesome is this? You know, you've got your Christmas tree up, like just so cozy, but now the kids get to be a part of that. So they know, you know, Fridays we're going to have pizza and we're going to go over there and they get their, you know, blankets out. And as soon as we walk in the door, 
um, one of the things he is able to do is he can control his remote. And so as soon as we walk through that door, he's telling them hi and um, hugging on them. And he changes the TV to a Chris right now, of course, it's Christmas time. So it's immediately on some sort of a kid's Christmas movie or their shows, you know, even though he was probably watching a ball game of some sort or ESPN because he wants them around. And so they cozy up on the couch and he's got snacks and stuff that my aunt has put out for him. And there's presents under the tree with the, you know, the kids names on them right now. And so I think they're just seeing, it's just not like, they're never going to know. I think, you know, even just as simple as a disability, they don't look at anybody in a wheelchair differently because that's Poppy. You know, when they see a wheelchair sign at a store, they're like, oh, well, Poppy would, we would park here if we had Poppy. And I'm just, I'm hoping that it just teaches them because we're walking out compassion and caring for our family and loving each other. And they help me with his medicine and they help bring him his water and help hold the cups for him. And so they're an active part of his care and it's only going to increase as they get older and they're able to do more things. And so I just hope when I'm old, <laughs> they're going to look at that and go, hey, I better take care of mom <laughs> and dad, right? Uh, we saw them take care of, you know, maybe they'll say, hey, she took care of her dad. So we better take care of them too. But I just hope it teaches them to be, you know, compassion, just our hopes as mom. We want our to raise these kids to be good kids and have compassion and care and love. And I think hopefully them seeing me and them doing that with my dad would will show them that that's the only way to live. No, oh, Sarah, that's so beautiful. I have I have tears. I your sweet story of them arriving for the Friday night sleepovers. It's just awesome. It seems like such a simple moment, but from the outside, I want you to I want you to know how it's even meant something to me. I mean, just watching you, you truly are a brave mom doing so many good things. And it may seem like it's just for your family, but it's really touching so many people. Well, thank you. That's why I think, I mean, that's where God stepped in. He's using dad. He's using him in big ways. I mean, he's changed my life, obviously in my faith, but it's amazing to see you know, he's not done with him and he's got a plan and we just don't know the plan, you know, but it's been amazing to see the thousands of people that have been impacted just by his story. And my hope is that they, if they don't know Christ, maybe they look at this story and see what is, you know, why does that family have faith? Why do they have this hope? Why are they different than somebody else? And, you know, maybe if they just don't know, maybe they're going to start asking some questions or maybe they just have a different hope that, um, with his story that they didn't have before. That makes me think of the, um, song, Sarah Colton Dixon's miracles song. Do you know that song right now? I bet you know it. How do miracles just happen like this? Mm -hmm. Happen like that. I'm really bad at song work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not good at lyrics, <laughs> but I love every song and I can hear it 1 million times. I still don't know the lyrics, mm-hmm. but everybody who's listening should definitely go and listen to that song, Colton Dixon Miracles, mm-hmm. because it makes you realize that song brings me to tears. It's a very upbeat song, but it brings me to tears because I think do not write off anything you see as a coincidence. It's not. It's God working. Don't say that it's not a miracle. He uses every little moment, the same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that raised Lazarus is the same God we worship today who's in control. And 
we need to notice these miracles. So I pray that your dad's story also proves miracles and moves people in their relationship with Jesus because it's beautiful. And what a, what a neat time to be able to share it at Christmas. Absolutely. So I want to end with, of course, a together sticker. And this one's from date night, the category circle of trust. Sarah, how would your family describe the qualities you had as a child that made you into the person you are today? (laughs) I love that. So I was laughing, thinking about this question, because as you, uh, we are both uh, surrounded by a lot of brothers. I am the only girl with three brothers. And so um, as I've grown up, I've realized that girls are different than boys. (laughs) And obviously having our own children, we see those different qualities. And I think the quality I had the most um, was just trying to trying to make sure that everyone was good. You know, I went, you, I, I looked at my mom, I could see, you know, we just see when moms are a little bit stressed out and I tried to try to help her. And I see that even with my little ones where they can tell, you know, okay, mom's busy with this. So how could they're trying to help? So I think it's just, you know, trying to make sure everyone is good. Everyone is, you know, content or how can I feel, <laughs> how can I help maybe just being raised in that environment and trying to help as much as I could. Cause with four kids, as you know, there's a lot going on. And so there's a lot of need for whether it's just grabbing the plate and putting it in the dishwasher or just learn those things probably a little bit sooner and just how to help mom. And, um, so I think just obviously my dad too, and just trying to step in and, and do what I could to, to help out. So I think I'm still doing that now, <laughs> you know, as I'm doing that at my own home and then just, just doing that with dad, just again, trying to orchestrate the care and kind of bringing everybody together for that. You know, who's with dad tonight, who's doing that and just trying to make sure all is good. And we're trying to yeah, help each other out and, and to make sure that this is a long-term successful plan for him and not just a quick little fix. So I would say that quality of just making everybody happy. (laughs) Well, I would agree with that from in the short time that I've known you, Sarah. And also I think it's definitely part of the plan that your business is called Stronger with (laughs) Sarah. That's right. Because we are all stronger with Sarah. You truly do have a gift of leading in a way that inspires and really does show compassion. Thank you for that, Sarah. You're awesome. You're the best. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being here. We definitely applaud you for being a brave mom. Thank you so much for having me again. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, Take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.